Well, good morning, church family. So good to see you here this morning. If you are a guest, my name is Ryan. I'm one of our pastors here at our church. And we're thankful that you're here worshiping with us in the house or online. We're grateful for that. And you just saw we're in a series in Jonah. I'm going to miss that video because this is the last Sunday that we're in the book of Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4. So go ahead and make your way to Jonah 4. And if you are a partner with us in ministry and mission, if you're a member here at West Cabarrus Church, uh, as you guys make your way to that passage, just want to remind you we have just two more weeks left of our summer giving challenge. We got this Sunday and next Sunday, and you guys have been doing fantastic with that. You've been really generous as God has been generous to you. And so I just want to say thank you so much for how you've given. And you've heard a little bit here and there of the ways that God has used your generosity to impact the neighborhoods and the nations. Last week you heard from Allison, uh, one of our missionaries that we're able to support and to care for. And so uh, it's great to hear for, from her on that side of things. But also a couple weeks ago we had City Serve Kids, which I just want to share this with you so you can celebrate with us. Uh, we had nine people commit their life to Christ at City Serve Kids just a couple weeks ago. So let's praise the Lord for that. And it was, uh, it was encouraging and funny at the same time we had somebody from another religion come and said, I didn't realize this was a church thing or a Christian thing. I had no idea. Am I welcome? And we're like, absolutely glad that you're here. And uh, they finished and they said, and we had no idea that, that Christians were so normal. And we're like, well, good. I'm glad you have a good picture of uh, Christians and how they love our neighborhoods and hopefully to the nations. So Jonah chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Now, the last few weeks I've given you kind of the one-sentence overview of Jonah. So all four chapters boil down into one sentence. And so if you weren't here the last three weeks, this is going to catch you up. If you have been here and you've struggled to write it down each week, I'm going to put it on the screen for you this week so you can grab it. But the whole book of Jonah can be boiled down to God's relentless love to pursue a rebellious people through a reluctant missionary. God's relentless love, it never stops, it never ends. It's always pursuing those who are, are rebellious, those who are running like Jonah and the people in Nineveh. And he's going to use a reluctant missionary, Jonah himself, to tell others about that love. Now you're going to see this whole sentence all found in Jonah chapter 4. So yes, it explains the whole book, but that one sentence, you're going to see each one of those things. God's relentless love. You're going to see a rebellious people, specifically Jonah, and you're going to see how he was so reluctant to share and even is displeased to share what God has done. All right, so let's look at God's word. We're actually going to get a running start. You won't see the very first part, but I think it's helpful. We're going to start in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. We'll start there and then transition into verse 1. Verse 10 of chapter 3 says this. When God saw what they did, that's the people of Nineveh, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. All right, now verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, is this not what I said would happen when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew I knew you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, 
do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came, the next day, God appointed a worm, and it attacked the plant, so it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? He said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. But you came into being in night, and it perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? It's the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord, today we gather together again and we're praying and asking that you would do great things. God, we're asking that you would help us to see your relentless love for us today. God, that you would help us to see your, your love that leads us to love you even more. God, thank you for pursuing us when we run from you. When we rebel, God, I pray that you would help even today, even this morning, that you would help us to stop and turn away from our sins and turn towards you. God, as we walk through your word, I pray that your word would walk through us today. That what we hear, you would help us to understand. Now, let me just, if you would be so bold, let me invite you to pray to God and ask for him to stir your heart and to speak to you today. In this moment of silence, pray now. And then would you pray for me as I open up God's holy and good word this morning that I would be able to speak in a way that's helpful for you to understand God's word. Pray for me now. Lord Jesus, would you open up our eyes to behold beautiful things from your word this morning. And it's in your name we ask. Amen. All right, Jonah, Jonah 4. It's, it's odd. Jonah 4 is weird. It's not how I would have ended the book of Jonah, right? I mean, you would think this chapter 4, this is supposed to be the end. This is the happily ever after chapter, right? There's only four chapters in the book of Jonah. And so this is supposed to be the happily ever after chapter but it's not, right? It starts with Jonah being angry. Jonah's displeased. I mean, if you and I were writing this, you would think that like into chapter three, 
that's where credits roll, right? Like in chapter 3, the people turn from their evil way, God relents, boom, credits roll. Like that's it. That's where you would think that this book would end, but it doesn't. It goes to chapter 4, and it's just odd. Why in the world would a prophet respond like this? I mean, what is going on in the midst of this moment? There's a real struggle. And this is what I love about the Bible. I've said this before, but this is not a fairy tale. This is not fiction. This is a true man in history that struggled. And the Bible is full of people who struggle, even struggle with the Lord sometimes. And so here in Jonah 4, that's what we find. We find a real man that's struggling to understand the depths of God's love. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been struggling with God. Maybe you've been struggling to understand the depths of God's love, either for someone else or for you. And that's where Jonah is in this moment. And what I want us to see as we unpack chapter 4, I want us to see without a doubt the depths of God's love. And Jonah knows God's love. He understands a a piece of God's love, but we're going to see one part he understands, and yet he's still confused. And then two parts, he doesn't understand at all of God's love. And so first, God's love is a far-reaching love. God's love is a far-reaching love. This is something that Jonah does understand, but he's confused about. And there's a lot of things that Jonah gets wrong in this book. Like if, you, if you've missed out, I encourage you to go back or read it on your own this week. But there's a lot of things Jonah does wrong. But this is one thing he gets right. He understands how far-reaching God's love is. That's why he's so displeased. That's why it starts in verse 1 that he is greatly displeased. Exceedingly, it says. Why? He tells us in verse 2. He dialogues to the Lord with his frustration and his confusion. And he says, Lord, I told you this was going to happen. I told you this was going to happen. This is what I said when I was in my country. And that's why I tried to run to Tarshish. Remember in chapter 1, God says, hey, I want you to go and preach my love and forgiveness to the people in Nineveh. And Jonah's like, no, not going to do it. I'm going to run to Tarshish, the end of the world at that time. He's going to flee and run there. He's like, God, see, that's why I ran, because I knew your love. And he tells us about the love of God. He said, for I knew that you are a gracious God. And you were merciful and you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you were relenting from disaster. God, I knew that your love was far-reaching. And I didn't want it to make it to these people. I didn't want it to make it to Nineveh. Because, you see, the people in Nineveh were violent people. They, they would literally lay waste, waste to entire regions. They committed genocides of entire populations. And Jonah's like, I don't understand why your love would go to those people, God. I knew, I knew it. I knew that the love would go there, but I didn't want it to go there. I wanted judgment on these people. I wanted judgment on these people. Now we'll get to the, the judgment side of things before the end of our time today. But I want you to see even in Jonah's misplaced faith, there's some truth in it. He said, I knew these things about you. And my hope and my desire is if you're here at West Cabarrus, you would know those too. That you would know that God is gracious and God is merciful. 
that he's abounding in steadfast love, that he's slow to anger. I would hope that you'd get connected to a small group and you'd be able to talk about that with, with other Christians and other believers. I would hope you would, would, would move to knowing those things and that you would believe with your whole heart that that kind of love can reach anyone. Can reach anyone. You see, Jonah knew that. He's like, if I go preach the gospel, these people are going to believe. He had such faith in the love of God, he didn't want it to go to people who he didn't want in the circle. The whole Westcombe Harris Church, oh, that we would have that kind of belief in God's love for us and the lost. That we would believe, if I go share the gospel, people are going to believe, yes, because God loves them and desires to save them. There's a man named Michael Green. He passed away just a few years ago. He was a professor at Oxford. And when he was here stateside, uh, he went around and spoke at a number of different universities. And as he would go around, he would sit, take a group of students. He'd sit down with them and kind of dialogue and talk with them. Now, he was a theological professor, and he loved to share the gospel. He loved not just to talk about what he knew, but he loved to talk about the love of Jesus. So he would always be sharing the gospel with people. And so... People knew the heartbeat of Dr. Green was to tell other people about Jesus. And so over lunch one day, one of the students was telling Dr. Green this amazing story about how this guy was really far in his faith. Didn't want to trust Jesus. His heart was hard. He was bitter. He didn't believe in, in all this Bible stuff. He, he didn't. And as the student sat down with him and talked with him and loved him and showed him the love of Christ, Christ changed him. And he believed in Jesus. And he said it in kind of a braggadocious way to Dr. Green. And Dr. Green's response is, why are you so surprised, surprised that he believed? That's what he asked the student. Why are you so surprised he believed? And then Dr. Green said, I'm more surprised when people don't believe in the gospel than when they do. Let that settle in for a second. He's more surprised when people don't believe in the gospel than when they do. And the student said, well, why do you think that? And he said, why would someone not want to believe in a God that offers forgiveness for the deepest guilt and shame of the heart? Why would somebody not want to believe in a God that will give them a firm identity in a world that has identity confusion? Why would you not want to believe in a God that has eternal purpose for your life? Why would you not want to believe in a God that offers peace to an anxious heart? Why would you not want to believe in that God? So Dr. Green, as he aged, he, he grew in his wisdom and understanding of the depths of God's love to pursue people that are running from him. And the depths of God's love to save anyone who would look to him. You see, my prayer for my own heart and as well as for our church is that we'd be more shocked when people don't believe than when they do. That we'd have a little bit of this faith that Jonah has to say, God, I knew who you were. I knew your love, and I knew it was a far-reaching love. And so we share the gospel, being shocked when people don't believe. You see, church, it is so easy for us as a church, an American church, to know, like Jonah knows, the good Bible truths, and yet not live them out. You see, Jonah, when he says, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, Jonah right here, he's a good Bible student. He is quoting Exodus 34, 
one of the first descriptors that God gives his people for who he is. And Jonah's like, I knew it. I believed it. I saw your word. And I knew it to be true and believed it. And yet he didn't want to go share the gospel with other people that he didn't consider the in crowd. He didn't. In church, it's so easy for us to be in a Bible study for 20 years and never share our faith. It is so easy to say, well, I know the truth. I know God's gracious and I know God's merciful. And not say, if he's gracious, he's merciful, he can save anyone. And so I should share the gospel. God's heartbeat and love is for the lost. That should be our heartbeat and love for the lost. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I, I have been in Bible studies for 20 years, but I've never shared my faith. Would you take a step of faith to share your faith this week? To tell somebody of this deep love of God. You see, God, God's love always reaches further than you think to people that you never imagined. That's what Jonah 4 is all about. God's love reaches further than you think to people you'd never imagine. And so there's somebody in your workplace right now or in your family that you're thinking and you're like, that person will never believe. They'll never believe. Their heart is way too hardened. Every time I bring up something about God or faith, they shame me or excuse me or kind of mock me. That person would never believe God's love is for them. God's love is reaching out to them. And honestly, God's love might be gripping their hearts in a way that you could never think of or imagine. Some of their backlash might be because they're struggling to understand this. They're struggling to understand God's love and how God could even love them. You see, some places we look at and we're like, that's a barren wasteland. God has planted a seed there and it's growing. Church, may we never, never forget that God's love always reaches further than we think to people that we'd never imagine. And also, as we think about God's far-reaching love, let us always make sure to include ourselves in that love. Never exclude yourself for the need of God's saving love. You see, that's where Jonah slips up and makes this mistake. See, Jonah knew that God's love could reach the ends of the earth, but he had forgotten that God's love had reached the shores of his heart. He'd forgotten about that. He'd forgotten what happened in Jonah chapter 2. Where Jonah is in despair, the bottom of the ocean, and he calls out to God and God rescues and saves him. And then he sings to the Lord, salvation belongs to you. He'd forgot of his salvation moment. And now his heart is hard saying, man, I want grace, but I'm not going to show it. You see, those that truly know grace, show grace. Those that have been forgiven, share forgiveness. This is what the beauty of God's love is. This is how it changes us. But that's where Jonah misses it. He misses the truth that he needs this grace just as much as the Ninevites do. He needs this reaching love just as much as the Ninevites did. And if you realize your great need for God's great love, it will change your heart to share the gospel. It will. It will. So Jonah understood God's far-reaching love. But what he didn't understand, what he was confused about, was God's refining love. God's refining love. You see, when God 
responds to Jonah. He just responds in verse 4 with a question. Do you do well to be angry? You see, Jonah's mad and he's angry at God for saving these people. And God could have responded in anger right back at Jonah. He could have said, Jonah, you know what? I'm tired of this. You're acting like a child. I'm just going to kick it to the curb and move on. You've already shared the gospel in Nineveh. I don't need you anymore. But that's not what God does. Why? Because he has a refining love. He looks at Jonah's mess and his sin. And it's almost like in this moment that he soups down and he's like, Jonah, like, do you do well to be angry? Jonah, is your, is your anger really justified in this moment? Jonah, just look at yourself. Look at your own life. I'm only giving the love to the Ninevites that I've first given to you. You see, you were prideful and arrogant. You refused to repent and stayed in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. You have your arrogance. I've been forgiving you of that and working with you through that. The Ninevites, they have their violence. You have your arrogance. They have their violence. I'm showing mercy on both. Jonah, why, why is this so confusing to you? Why are you struggling to understand this? And God, instead of kicking Jonah to the curb, what he does is he works on Jonah's heart by asking him a question. And Jonah doesn't even answer it. Did you catch that? Verse 4, God says, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah didn't even answer. He just walks away up out of the city to the east of the city to make a booth for himself. Now what he's doing as he goes out to the east of the city is he's hoping his will will happen. He's, he's going up there and he's like, hey, it was, the message was 40 days and repent or you're going to perish. So he goes up there and he's like, I'm just going to wait and see what God does. Is he going to do my will or is he going to do his will? Bring judgment on him, God. And he sits out there and he just counts it down. Day 39, no judgment yet. Day 38, man, okay, keep counting it down. Day 30. And that's what he's doing is he's waiting out there. But God, even as he waits out there, is still working on his heart. And this is a sidebar, and we'll get back to this, but have you noticed all throughout the book of Jonah, all of Jonah's rebellion he does in isolation? Chapter 1, he flees to another city and disobeys God. There's no friends in his life that are saying, hey, Jonah, this is not the wisest thing for you to do. Here he goes out and makes a booth for himself. He's just going to sit out there by himself in judgment over the city instead of pouring grace on it. I just find that so many times, at least in my life, the reason how I end up in sin is it's isolation. God has given us a community around us so that when we struggle, there's somebody there to pick us up. When we're running away, there's somebody there to say, man, that's not the best decision. And for some of you, some of you that's the very reason why you're not in a community group or a small group. Some of that's the very reason. You're like, I know what I'm doing is wrong, and if I live life with people, then they're going to call me on these things. Yes, because they want to watch out for you and love you and protect you. It's not a judgment thing. It's a, we love you. It's not the best way to be living. So here in this moment, and even in our lives, so often, our sin is because of our isolation. Now let me just say one more thing about that. If you're thinking about doing something right now, and you're not asking anybody else about it, and you're just going to do it, it's probably the wrong decision. 
And the reason why is because you know if you ask somebody else about it, they'll tell you this is an unwise decision, and you would rather not hear that. And so you're choosing not to ask somebody else in order to run away from God and rebel. Please look at the loving, our loving God, the one who looks at us at our rebellion and, 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 and refines us. He doesn't get mad at us or kick us to the curb. He works on our heart. And so just like Jonah in the situation, as he runs away in his isolation, God steps in and he uses a plant, he uses a worm, and he uses a wind to draw Jonah's heart back. To draw Jonah's heart back. And did you see this in verses 6, 7, and 8? God appoints each one of these things to happen. In verse 6, God appointed a plant. Was it an accident? The plan didn't just happen to be there. God appointed it to be there. Verse 7, then this worm comes up and attacks the plant, attacks it. God appointed the worm to do that. And then he appointed a scorching east wind. An east wind could have been bad, but a scorching east wind. He appoints each one of those things. Why? God will sometimes bring discomforts and even comforts into our lives to refine us. You see, God brought first the shade for Jonah. Jonah's like, man, this is amazing. It says he's exceedingly happy about the, the plant that gave him shade, right? And God did that to show him ultimately the idol of his heart, which is himself. He's being selfish. And the way he's going to show Jonah that is he brings a worm. The worm chews it, attacks it, right? And it withers. And then God brings a wind, a scorching wind, to bring Jonah to the point where he's about to faint. Why does God do all of that? Why does God take time to appoint a plant, a worm, and a wind for one person? Because God's love is a refining love. He loves Jonah. He loves us. So God sometimes will bring troubles and discomforts and disasters into our lives to refine us and to show us the idols of our heart. Why does God allow all this in? Because he loves us. He loves us. In the New Testament, in another book of the Bible, James chapter 1, James says it like this. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is James saying? When hard, difficult times come into our lives, God uses those times to refine us. To show us that He is a rock and a refuge when everything else in our world is shaking and out of control. He allows us to look at Him and say, I'm going to trust in you. This is what our God does. This is what God did for Nineveh. Historically, we know that there were at least two plagues that hit the people of Nineveh before Jonah came in to preach the good news of repent and be saved. God brought those in to help people fix their mind on something more than the temporal. To realize their life was so much more than 80, 90, 100 years. But that God had an eternity set before them. God loved them. And so even in this moment, he's working on Jonah's heart through this, this worm and this wind and this plant to say, look at your idols. What are you living for? And he refines him and works on him 
because he loves him. You see, I wholeheartedly believe that many people believe that God is like an art collector. That God kind of looks through the world and he examines people's lives and he finds the, the most beautiful people, right? The most righteous people, the people that are doing everything right. And God says, you know what? That would make a good addition to my museum in heaven. So I'm going to take that person and they're, they're mine. And I'm going to take them and put them in my museum in heaven. And so God is just an art collector looking around to choose who is the best of the best to enter into his kingdom. But I think a better analogy is that God is an artist. God is an artist. He looks at broken things and he makes them beautiful. He looks at a palette of different mixed colors and he blends them together and make a beautiful picture. And that's what Jonah 4 is showing us. That God looks at those who feel like there's no way that God would love me. And he says, no, I love the Ninevites. People that say, well, I grew up in church, but I've been running for God for so long. Yes, God loves you. He comes to Jonah. He's like, Jonah, I love you. And I want to take all your brokenness and all of your issues, and I want to make you into a beautiful picture for my glory. I believe, we don't know 100%, but I believe that Jonah's heart is changed by God's act in this moment. God's refining act in this moment, I think, changes the heart and the life of Jonah. If not, I don't think we would have had this book in the Bible. I mean, there's details given in this book of the Bible that I, would, I don't think we would have had apart from Jonah repenting and then looking back and saying, man, I was a mess. But our God and his refining love came to my life and he changed me. He changed me. This is what our God does. He's an artist that loves us so much. Far-reaching love, a refining love. But the other area that Jonah struggled with is that God's love is an outward love. God's love is an outward love. You see, Jonah, in this passage, one of the things that God's ultimately going to refine over time in him, Jonah's love, and many times our love, is an inward love. Did you see how much of this chapter is all about Jonah, right? Jonah writes, and he says, I knew these things. I knew what was going to happen. That's why I fled to Tarshish. It was when I was in my country, I knew this was going to happen. I find it hysterical that Jonah's like, it was my country. I was in my country. Like, what are you talking about, Jonah? That's God's nation. He's like, I was in my country. And then he goes up and he makes a booth for himself. He's upset when he loses the shade for himself. It's all about Jonah. Even to the point where he's like, you know what? If you're not going to do things the way I want you to do things, God, then just kill me. Three times. Jonah's love is so inward focused. He's like, if you're not going to do things my way, if I can't control things the way I want to control things, then just be done with me. Just kill me. Three times he asks him. Man, the patience of God not to just say, fine, Jonah. Fine, done. But see, our God is a patient God and a loving God. So he doesn't do that to Jonah. He doesn't. Even though Jonah continues to focus on himself, he can't even focus on the miracle that just happened where 120,000 people came to know the Lord. 
He can't see the miracle because he's looking at the mess in his own life. Jonah is so inward focused. It even says in here that he pities a plant. I don't even know how, to, how you do that, to be honest. He, he's sad over a plant. But it's not even about the plant. Even that's about Jonah. He's mad because he's lost his shade over his head. See, Jonah continues to come back to himself over and over and over again. That's what our love tends to do. We continue to think about ourselves far more than we think about others. But God's love, God's love is an outward love. God says to, to Jonah, verse 11, you pity this plant? Jonah, you didn't pick out this plant. You didn't go to Lowe's and pick it out. You, you didn't dig a hole, plant it in the ground. You didn't even water it to make it grow. And yet when it died, you're upset. And then he says, Jonah, these people in Nineveh, I created them. I created them in the womb. I created them in that city. I know this city. I know these people by name. I know their kids' names. I know their dreams and their hopes and their hearts. Like, I know all of those things about them, Jonah. Should I not care for them more than you care for a plant? Should I not pity them more than you pity this plant? He says, he says in verse 11, Jonah, they don't even know their right hand from their left hand, which means they don't know right from wrong. They don't even know their wickedness yet. They don't even know their, their, their need for me, their great need for me. Should I not love them? Should I not pity them? And I think it's hysterical how it ends. A weird chapter 4 ends with a weird verse where it says at the very end of verse 11, and if not for the people, Jonah, for also the cattle? What? God's like, Jonah, if you, if you can't pity the people, at least can you pity the animals? Like you're pitying a plant. See, God's love pours out so richly. It pours out on Jonah and his rebellion in this moment. It pours out on the people of Nineveh, all 120 plus, 100,000 of them. It pours out even on the animals. This is the love of God. Now let me, let me ask you this and legitimately think about this. What makes you angry? What makes you weep? Think about it. You see, Jonah's angry in this moment that his will is not being done. He's upset and he's pitying a plant because it covered his head. What is the thing that breaks your heart? What is the thing that makes you cry? What is the thing that makes you so angry? You see, I'm willing to bet you're a lot like me. That the thing that makes you upset, the thing that makes you angry, is very inward focused. I doubt that many of us have the spiritual maturity to let our heart break for the things that breaks God's heart. See, Jonah's not there. Many of us aren't there. I mean, when's the last time that you wept over something because it broke the heart of God? When is the last time that you wept over someone who doesn't know the Lord? 
who is far from having this compassion and this grace and this peace. It's easy. It is really easy for us to say, man, we love God and we love other people. We just love everybody. And it's extremely hard for us to have an outward focused love that pours out our love and our energy and our effort to other people. It's really hard. You see, we would say, but I love everybody. I would never do what Jonah did. Like, why would Jonah not take the good news to these people? I would never do that. And yet, there's things that God calls us to do that shows our inward love instead of an outward love. You see, God would say, I want you to love other people through your sexual purity. God would call us to do that. And we don't even think that that's a way to love other people. But if you read the statistics and all the research that's being done right now, it is, it is sad what's going on in our world. There's, they're finding out that when we watch those things, it does something to us mentally and emotionally. I mean, there's research being done on that. And it's hurting the people that are watching that. It's, it's exploiting them. And as we do those things, that's not a loving thing to do. So we can say, we love everybody. And God's like, don't do that. And we're like, but God, I really, oh God, I really love that. And we end up doing it for ourselves. We care more about our comfort and our pleasure than we do loving other people. For some of us, we're like, man, we love everybody. We do. We have this love like, like God has. But people would look at our life and, we'd, and they'd say, no, you don't. And please hear me. I, I'm preaching this to myself also. Because they would look at how we spend our time and they'd say, no, 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 no. Your time's all on you. People would look at how we spend our money. And if we truly love other people, we don't spend all our income on ourselves. You see, we look around to our neighborhoods and the nations and our hearts should break for those in need. Our hearts should break for those that don't have the gospel, that the gospel would go to them. For those that have impoverished needs, that we would love and care for them. Oh, that we would not spend all of our money on ourselves. Even personally, a couple years ago, we were looking, we were examining how much money we spend on our lawn versus how much money we spend on the mission field. How much we give. And I'm like, from now on, God, we are not going to spend more money on pine needles and weed preventer than I'm spending on the gospel going forth to the nations. I'm not going to do it. Not that I'm not going to spend money on my lawn or not spend money on pine needles, but I'm going to give more to those that don't know the gospel than grass that grows on a hill. May I not pity a plant more than I pity people that don't know the Lord. This is what God's outward love should draw us to do. We cannot have an inward love. You see, Jonah was so inwardly angry that he wanted to die. Three times he asked, God, kill me. Jonah was so inwardly angry he wanted to die, but our God is so outwardly loving he was willing to die. This is the love of God. He was so outwardly loving that he was willing to die for us, rebellious people, running from him with hard hearts, religious people like Jonah who don't understand and are confused, he still has come to refine us in his love. And this is what our God does. This is what our God does. And there is no greater place, no greater place, 
that we would see the outward love of God than to look to the cross. To look to the cross where he poured out everything. Though he was rich, he became poor, that we would be saved. Though he was spirit, he took on flesh and walked and breathed and lived and died a painful death, a criminal's death for you and I. He took the curse that he didn't deserve, that we deserved, and he gave us life instead. And this is the outward love of God. And when we look to Christ, we see the great love of God and at the same time the great justice of God. And this is where Jonah was confused. God, these people deserve justice. That's why he doesn't want the gospel to go to him. That's why there's times where we're like, no, 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 no. I'd rather justice come down on them than God's love. But you got to understand, God cares more about justice and judgment than you do, than you and I ever will. The people in your life, you're like, that person wronged me. God knows. That's why he died on the cross. To take that pain because he knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. And God's love and his justice meet at the cross. And so now we stand and we're like, yes, justice was done. I deserve to be judged. And God took the judgment on place. Did God love me? Absolutely. I know I'm loved by what he did on the cross. And we experience God's love and justice together. He was crushed so we didn't have to be crushed. So church family, this morning we take the Lord's Supper as we take the Lord's Supper, that's what we're remembering. God's love and his justice for us. And so grab that cup. And I would say, listen to me for a minute. If you are a believer, then take this cup with great joy, knowing that God's love is refining you, even in the areas that you're struggling. Confess those sins. He loves you, and he's still working on your life. For others of us, I prayed even this week that verse 11 of this would be encouraging to your heart. God pitied, pitied Nineveh. He loved them. He had compassion on them. And I want you to hear this morning that God has compassion on you too. That he has made a way for you to be forgiven, to find that peace. God's not waiting until your, your whole life is perfect. He's not an art collector. He's an artist, right? And so come to God. Pray to him that he would save you and redeem you. God has left heaven and come to earth to save you, to seek and to save that which was lost. And there is no accident that you're in this room today. And there's no accident that you're online. God appointed the wind and the worm plant to bring about repentance in Jonah's heart. God appointed that friend or that family member or that thought this week for you to be here to know the love of God that goes to you, that's extended to you. And so if you have not taken that step of faith to trust in him, I'm going to give you a chance to pray and, and receive Christ and find that hope and that joy that everlasting life could be yours today. For those that know Christ, I'd encourage you to pray today too. Confessing the sins that are in your heart, maybe those inward sins that Jonah had. 
maybe confessing where you've run and rebelled against God instead of trusting in Him and being obedient to Him. God's Word says if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so pray to Him. So let's take a moment now, let's bow our heads, and let's pray to the Lord. If you don't know Him, then pray to Him now, asking Him to save you to forgive you of those sins, of an inward love, of a selfish love. Pray and ask Him to forgive you of, of worry instead of trusting in the one that made them and formed them. Confessing those sins of loving yourself more than loving others. Pray those now and know that He will save you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. God, thank you for coming to seek and to save us. We were lost. God, thank you for saving those at City Serve a couple weeks ago. Thank you for those that have professed you as Savior today. Thank you for extending your love because your love is a far-reaching love. So thank you for that. But Lord, we also thank you for your refining love. God, we're believers, but we still struggle with sin. But you are so patient with us, just like you were patient with Jonah. And so thank you for being patient with us and loving to us and forgiving us of our sins. And Lord, we thank you for your outward love that gave it all for us, that we could be forgiven. It's in your name that we praise you. Amen. Church, let's take this bread now, remembering the body that was given for us so that we could be forgiven. Now let's take this drink today, remembering the blood that was shed for us so that he could be both the just and the justifier. Let's take and remember him now. Church, there's nothing better for us to do now than to sing and let the praise of the Lord be on our lips. So let's stand and sing about the Father's love for us.